Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. I want to take you directly to a particular passage of scripture that's important to me, really means something to me. I'm sure you've read it before, but I'm going to I'm going to draw from this and open this thing up a bit. Now, it's Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 to 35, and it came about, and by the way, this isn't a preach. (laughs) I just want to, you know, start off the whole thing with this scripture here, but Exodus 34, 29 to 35, and it came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of testimony were in Moses' hand. As he was coming down uh, from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to approach him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all of the rulers and the congregation returned to him and spoke to Moses, uh, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that the Lord had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel what he had been commanded, the sons of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with him. How cool is that? Essentially, Moses is having encounters with God that create almost like a reflective glory. And in fact, this wasn't just a shiny countenance, so to speak. This was literally light beaming from the face of Moses that was so profound it frightened the people around him. In fact, he had to he had to put a, a cloth, a veil over it, which of course is a great prophetic picture of the veil that separated humanity from the presence of God with the exception of the priests. And then the veil was torn through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have access to that glorious presence. But in Moses' case, I want to highlight that what kind of light (laughs) was coming out of the face of Moses that he had to cover it with a with a veil. I mean, we are talking about some serious high beams. (laughs) If you've just checked out this podcast today, I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I want to share a bit of my testimony that some of you may know. It's in my book, Beyond the Four Walls, uh, From Revival to Societal Transformation. You can get that on Amazon. In fact, I wish I had it here to just hold up for you, but uh, that book, it's in there. I've been interviewed several times on different platforms sharing this, but if you haven't heard it before, I want to dive right into it today and, and just bless you. Believe it or not, I was once a backslidden rap artist. I was, you know, building a music career. All my efforts were going into that. Uh, I had, you know, was being featured in magazines, I was on radio, you know, you could turn on the radio and hear my single. It was being played in the clubs and 
And, you know, I was doing some things and I, I actually believed I was a Christian. You know, I was in a certain level of deception. Now, I'm a pastor's kid, okay? So let's get that out of the way. I'm a PK, in fact, fourth generation pastor on, on both sides of the family. Fourth generation on one side, five on the other, if you can believe that. And uh, so I was running from the call of God. I knew I was called to full-time ministry, but I had kind of got so immersed in church environment, hadn't, hadn't encountered Jesus, you know, on a level that, uh, you know, where I knew him better than I knew religion, if you, if you know what I'm saying. And some of the PKs out there may know what I'm talking about. And so I was pursuing a music career, and I was actually making it. You know, at one point, I, I was the rep and opener for uh, Eminem's movie, The Eight Mile. Don't watch it. <laughs> I'll just let you know. Uh, and, and I was the Canadian rep and, you know, just into all kinds of things that come with that territory. Especially you get a lot of types of people that like to hang around rappers and you know, all of that was going on at that time, but God had a call on my life, and, you know, my parents used to go into my bedroom when I wasn't home, and they would join hands and pray uh, for, for my soul. They would do that every day. If you're listening, and you're a parent, and you're praying for your unsaved or backslidden relative even, not even just just son or, or daughter, listen, there, there is power in, in, there is authority in parents praying together for family members, I'll tell you that. And they were doing that behind my back, unbeknownst to me, and I was building this music career, and I remember I, I came to two major milestones in the career. One of them was a radio circuit that I, you know, this was going to just blow my name up, and this was the, the big deal, and then the second one was I actually was offered a four-year recording contract. I was going to sign it. And I remember when I went to do the radio tour, uh, we went to the different radio stations and, and doing all this. The Lord had choreographed sort of like a, a, a dark night of the soul, revivalists call it, where you know I was beginning to get, the more I pursued the career, the more emptiness I felt. <laughs> the more successes and accolades I achieved, the more depressed even that I felt. And I couldn't figure out why this was. And I remember the excitement as I went into this, this radio tour. And after it was all over, we went out for, the, for dinner, uh, the, the label guys and some of my friends, and we sat at this big table and we were eating and feasting and, and celebrating. And, and I remember trying to avoid this empty feeling that was just coming upon me, even at dinner that night. You know, the high was there and it was slowly decreasing. How many know, and, and let me just say it this way, you know, you will never be truly satisfied in this life. Uh, and, well, first of all, you've got to find Jesus, but second of all, finding your purpose. You might be a Christian, but you don't know your purpose, and so you're dissatisfied. You have Jesus, you know, you have relationship with him, but there's something else missing. And that has to do with calling and purpose. That has to do with obedience even sometimes for you who know what you're called to do or who you're to be. Why God has put you on this earth, that is the provoking question. So there I am sitting at this table and one by one my friends and label mates are leaving the table and going home. And you know what? I remember this just like it was yesterday, even though it's like over a, um, maybe two decades ago now. And, and I'm there, and I just sat there. And one by one, everybody left, and, and I just stayed there, 
sitting at the head of the table, by the way. <laughs> and the waitresses and waiters were coming and clearing the table, and I just sat there because I was so overwhelmed by this feeling of emptiness that I now wanted to explore why I'm feeling this way despite beginning to get to what I thought was the goal and vision of my life. Now, I remember getting up and getting in the car and driving home, and that led to more dissatisfaction, with, which eventually led to this record deal being presented to me. All that was left was for the lawyers to go through it, and as the lawyers were going through it, they took longer than expected. You know, this is, of course, God. And I, I left for a vacation. I was to sign that recording contract before I left for vacation, and thank God the lawyers didn't finish it with it yet. And I, I went on vacation and thought, okay, I'm going to sign this thing when I come back. And I went on vacation to a beautiful place in Canada, Western Canada, Kelowna, BC. And there I'm out there with some of my family members, my cousins, and this, this dissatisfaction is growing and growing and growing in me. And I remember one night, it all came to a head. We had gone to the movies or something, and I came back to the, I was staying at my grandparents' house, and I went up to the room I was staying in, and there was just a bed and a, a rocking chair, an old, old person's rocking chair. <laughs> and the night table had a Bible on it. And, and you know what? It was like everything led up to this moment where late at night, I sat down in this rocking chair, and I just said, God, if you're interested in me, here I am. And I'm going to wait here in this chair. You know, I was expressing kind of my desperation. I said, I'm going to wait here in this chair until you show up. And I don't know how long I, I had waited. I don't really remember, to be honest. But, but I do remember suddenly the room just filled with the electricity. The, the, the overwhelming presence of God filled this room I was sitting in. And in a way that I had never experienced before in church. Nothing wrong with church, just had never experienced this before. And, and that really shocked me too because I, I kind of had that mentality that the, you only get an encounter with God if you go to the church. And here I was encountering the Lord in a bedroom in the most unlikely of places, sitting in a rocking chair. And the presence of God was so electric, the Lord just walked into the room and, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, uh, but he basically said, I have not called you to the music industry. I have called you to preach. That's what he said. I've called you to preach. And uh, he said a number of other things. And it was like a man speaking to a man. I am telling you the truth. I could hear God talking at the speed of thought. You know that God talks that way. Even sometimes when you ask him a question before you're finished asking, he's already answering that's how he, he communicates. And I'm hearing God talk to me in this incredible, overwhelming way. And this encounter that I was having with him, uh, you know, was so powerful that I had decided in my mind that night I would turn down this recording contract. You know, when I look back on that, there was just no way I would turn that down. I, I would have at least tried to find a compromise where, okay, Lord, uh, I'll use that. I'll use my, my music career to, to share your name. And no, God didn't want that. That wasn't the call for me. Maybe it is for some of you out there, but it wasn't for me. And, uh, and there I am in that chair, and I'm, I'm saying, 
saying yes to God. And let me tell you something, when it is a true encounter with the Lord Jesus, it's like impossible to refuse him. You'll never turn him down when it's really him, this wonderful man, our, our wonderful Jesus. And, and there I am, and I'm saying yes to God. And I don't know how long that encounter lasted. It felt like it was hours into the night. I mean, I, I picked up that Bible. And, and the other interesting thing that happened was I began to understand the scriptures. Now, I had read the Bible, of course, before, heard it preached. And, you know, but it was sort of like in the dimension of information. I was receiving it like information. But in this particular case that night, and it's, it's, it's stayed with me since then, uh, it, it's become more than information. It's become, you know, revelation. I discovered what, what revelation is on that particular night. I, I saw the story of Zacchaeus in a way I had never seen before. I, I could see prophetic revelation in there. I mean, it was just a, an altogether totally new experience for me, experiencing the Lord that way. And you know what? After I said yes to God and went to bed, it was that same week I received an invitation to go and preach at a particular church in the area. Can you believe that? You know, ran into somebody in the parking lot. They knew who I was. They pastored at this particular church. And they said, wow, you're that rapper guy. Can you come and share with our students? And, and so I came and that was my first week of, of preaching. You know, when I got up there, I didn't even have the full Bible. I had just this little red New Testament and I opened it up to that story of Zacchaeus that I had, you know, this revelation from, and I began to share about, uh, you know, Zacchaeus who, who made the effort to climb up that tree and get in God's face. And those are the ones, the ones who will separate from the crowd and get in the face of God that he will meet with. He will, he will call you down to him and he will meet with you. You'll have an encounter with him and I'm preaching this way. And I remember there was just something so profound that that took place in that first meeting. Um, it, it was unlike anything else. I'd been on the stage before, but this was altogether unique because this eerie presence <laughs> began to fill that, that room. There were about 200 kids there. I was told they're usually noisy. They don't sit through the, the message and all of this. And there was absolute stillness as this I say eerie because it was like this ghostly presence that began to fill that room. Well, it's the, the, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's a spiritual presence. It was a power that did the work of the ministry as I was faithful to stand there and open my Bible in my mouth. The Holy Spirit was doing the work of the ministry. And there was just profound power that was released that night. And, and you know what? That didn't make me feel like I wanted to go and build a ministry. That, that wasn't the point for me at, at this point. You know, people build ministries for all kinds of reasons. But to be honest with you, and I've had to fight to keep this over the years, I really just wanted to get back to that room or any room go in and close the door and have another encounter with this wonderful man, this Jesus. That's what it was for me, was just to encounter him. And so whether I was invited to preach somewhere or not was the last thing I was thinking about. <laughs> and so I would go back into that room. I spent the rest of my holiday, you know, I would go back into that place of prayer and I would be encountering the Lord. And this really produced 
everything that began to take place. And I began to notice that as I would spend time with him, ministry invitations came. <laughs> I didn't ask for them. I didn't look for them. And when I would go and minister, no matter what situation it was, God would move. And this whole ministry thing, and I say this lightly, you know, this may come across juvenile for some, but but this whole ministry thing became very simple for me. It was, I look after the going in the room and praying part, you know, closing the door where, you, where your father is in secret. I looked after the relationship with God part, and he looked after the relationship to ministry and, and the breadth and the impact and the power. This was kind of our simple, you know, partnership at the time. And so I came home from that particular trip and I broke the news to, my, uh, to the label and, and man, that was rough. I mean, these guys were pretty upset with me at the time. And actually, for some of them, it led to their own personal revival when I left the music and they saw how God began to use me. But one thing I did when I got home was made an agreement with them that I would close off this, you know, our, our working relationship with just these three dates, these three uh, concert dates. And uh, I just did that out of kindness to them. They were already booked, but my life had already been turned upside down for Jesus. And so what ended up happening was I, I, I went to, you know, one of those concert dates and got up on the stage. And, and you know what, this was in a very secular nightclub. This was a, a sleazy place. It definitely wasn't your, your, your church picnic performance. And I get up there and I begin to, to, to perform and to do, you know, perform the songs. And I get to this moment where, where I stop the music and I'm, I'm trying to share something about God. <laughs> and there was a man that was standing in front of the stage and he rushed towards the stage. And a lot of people don't even know this story. Because sometimes it sounds so dramatic, you, you know, you might not believe me, but he rushes the stage almost to intimidate me and he's standing. You know, I'm looking down, I'm up on the stage looking down at him and he's, and he begins to snarl, he begins to froth at the mouth, he begins to have a full-on demonic manifestation. I didn't even really know how that looked at that time. He's having a full-on demonic manifestation. And then the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon me with boldness. So boldness accompanies the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I've got this boldness that lands on me and I rush towards this man. Like I, I go to confront him and I'm in full ministry mode, okay? And this is in a secular nightclub, all right? I go to rush towards him and he turns and he runs right out the door. Now, you might not know me, but I, all I can say is just take my word for it that I'm telling the truth. For some reason, I jumped off the stage. <laughs> I can only imagine what my DJ wondered. I jumped off the stage and I'm pursuing this guy out the door. There was an otherworldly boldness that was in me now. You know, some would call it youthful zeal. I call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I ran out the door and followed this guy 
And right in the street, we have this power encounter, this clash of two kingdoms, where this man turns, whips around and looks at me. And he says in that deep voice, you know, his voice changed and you're hearing a demon speaking. And he says, do you want me to bow down to you? It was just something totally otherworldly. And, and there are people around outside, you know, having a smoke or something. And, uh, and I said, no, you must bow down to the living God. And I'm having this kind of David and Goliath moment there. <laughs> and I'm telling him to give his life to Christ. And, and we have this power encounter right there in the street. And afterwards, a woman that was there came up to me and she was a backslidden Christian. And she, she had known me from before. She said, there's something different about you. I just saw when you were on that stage, she said, there was light that was pouring out from your, from your face. And that was the first time I had heard her say that. And she didn't know that that scripture was one of the scriptures I was studying that week about Moses and having encounters with God and his face was shining. And he would come down from the encounter with God with this shining face that would provoke and shock and terror all of Israel. And, and here she's saying to me, your face is just different. And I began to get comments on this. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. I thought, man, this is awesome. God is real. The gospel is real. And, and, and I was just on fire for, for Jesus. And I, I'll tell you about the final show that I had to do in what was one of the worst night spots in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I was to perform there. This was my last show. And there were a couple magazine people there who wanted to interview me afterwards. And there was a lot riding on this, but I didn't care. I was done. I knew and, and the label knew I was finished after this. And so as I was getting ready to go up and and perform and and one of one of the characteristics of this night spot was if they didn't like your music they could bottle you throw cigarettes at you you know there was a high price for not delivering <laughs> and not pleasing the crowd in this moment and there were some other artists there as well who who they remember this night and it, they also say as christians that it sparked them uh, a real movement of christian music and entering into the industry was birthed out of this one particular night. And uh, they'll tell you about it. And uh, so I, 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 I'm about to go on stage. My DJ's getting ready to start the first song, the tracks. I've even forgotten what the, what the cool wording is now for this thing. But we would say, you know, run the tracks. And, uh, and he's about to play them. And I say to the Lord, I pray this prayer that I, I still pray today. I still pray it to this day. I said, I said, Holy Spirit, possess me. <laughs> That's what I pray. Holy Spirit, possess me. You know, totally raw. And I'm telling you, the, the power of the Holy Ghost came upon me in such a way. I got up there and went through first song, second song. And just after the third song, I stopped the music and I went into full out preach mode. I mean, some of it was I had nothing to lose. Uh, you know, because I knew I had been called by God into ministry, and so I was a little more daring. And, and I'm waiting for the bottles to start flying. I'm waiting for the cigarettes, and I begin to preach. <laughs> like, I remember even the, the, the feeling of, am I going to die tonight when we leave this, this club? And I'm preaching the gospel, and that same eerie presence 
the presence and power of the person of the Holy Spirit, the real transformation agent, the real change agent, begins to flood that room and there was silence. I mean, those guys that were there will tell you about this. They will testify to what I'm saying, that, that this, this shocking moment, this presence took over the club and I had a chance and I, I thought, okay, I've probably only got about three minutes because they're going to kick us out. And they did, by the way, we were asked to leave. In fact, I was escorted out with, with some, some big security guys because there was, you know, threat for my, my life after. And, and as, as I gave this three minutes of the best gospel message I could give under that amount of pressure, I, I thought, okay, everybody's listening. I might as well give a call for salvation. And I gave a call for salvation to anybody who wanted to receive Jesus. And nobody was more surprised than me to see hands beginning to go up. Hands began to go up to receive Jesus. And I prayed a quick prayer over them. And then we had to get out of there. And you know what? That became an explosive moment that, as I said, produced a movement in Toronto of Christian artists that didn't just perform it churches or something like that but they would go into these nightclubs and one guy in particular went on to be very famous with his his music he's a christian man you know influencing his generation and so that was the end of my music career and that of course turned into revival meetings uh throughout you know different places in canada which turned into the revival at at our church at that time that lasted seven or eight years, which turned into, uh, you know, the Lord leading us in how to take what was in the building out into society for the purpose of, of transformation. And that, that really was the, the catalyst for, for everything. And I began to have a hunger for the real of God, the real thing. And you may have grown up in church or you've had experience with religiosity, religion of some kind. And I want to encourage you today that encounters with God can transform you. But an encounter with God that you pay a price for doesn't just transform your life, but it will produce a reflective glory that is meant to transform other people's lives. Did you catch that? When you, when you make your main focus, and I'm sorry for those who want like seven steps to, to social transformation. I got all that. I'll be giving a lot of that stuff on this podcast, but I, I'm coming in real basic here. When you pay the price to find yourself in the glory of God, the atmosphere of heaven or the environment of God, just you basking in that changes you. Okay, so that environment forms you and changes you. It forms your character. It, it awakens gifts of the Spirit inside you you didn't know were there. It imparts boldness to you. It gives revelation to you. It, it creates your future in front of you. It, 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 it reflects off of you and begins to touch other people's lives. It's really true. People will say there's something different about you. And oftentimes we're praying for God to encounter that person or we're praying for God to do something. And we pray in such a way as if we're, 
We're, as if revival is God's problem. We're, we're trying to pull on God if we shout loud enough, work this formula, try to get God to come down and do for us on earth what he has called us to do. <laughs> we're trying to get him to come down and be the light and, and go into the club or go into your workplace or do this or do that. When, when in actual fact, he's waiting on you to go and do that. Your job is to encounter him, to plug into your source, to connect with him in such a way that when you walk out of that prayer closet, there, it's the byproduct of practicing the presence and intimacy with him that produces the ministry results, that begins to reach people in your particular sphere. You may be uh, in the marketplace and you say, well, I'm not a marketplace leader. Okay, forget the term leader, forget, you know, all the stuff you've heard. Just get in the presence of God and get into your workplace and you'll find God will make you a leader among people. You will find a leadership quality will emerge in your life because you've spent time with God. You become like who you spend time with. And that's really my story was, you know, the more time I would spend with the Lord, the more ministry results would be there. And I still feel Holy Spirit, you know, even before we started the podcast today, we had the worship going and in the studio here, I began to just weep. I felt the presence of my friend, the transformation agent. And, and we really need this in our generation, don't we? We need to get back to encounters with God. And one of the tough aspects of religion and, and even... Um, what I call churchianity. You know, we go to church, we go through the motions, we do it because we feel we should. Maybe some of you go to some great churches where you're having encounters there, but, but not everybody does. In some ways, we've made it difficult for people to encounter God at the church. There are all kinds of reasons for that, and I'm not advocating forsaking the church. The Bible makes clear we're to not forsake the assembling of the brethren, and we're to gather together. That's fine. But man, you've got to look after the power encounters sometimes at home, in your prayer closet, pursuing God, paying the price. The Lord promises that he is a rewarder, it says, of them that diligently seek him. And so I've been somebody that has input. I have to input the schedule, the prayer schedule. You know, for some of us, we just, it's easy to just find yourself maybe weeping at the feet of Jesus or something every day. <laughs> I hear how some people talk, but for me, I've got to schedule it. I've got to get there and I've got to be consistent with it because life and the busyness of life, especially if you're in ministry, is daily working at taking your time. All of life, not just the devil, all of life, people, good things are working to steal your time. And sometimes the time we give to God is, is the last thing that we do. We, we give him the least and the last. And we wonder why we're not having an outflow and a reflective glory in our sphere wherever we go, like, like Moses had. We're wondering why it's not present in our lives. Well, you just haven't marinated enough. There's no reflective glory there. And, and with Moses, it would lift. It would begin to fade and he could remove the veil. But then when he went back up and encountered God, that glory would come again. This is how we're meant to be living. This is how we're to be doing ministry. 
And to this day, no matter where I am in the world, where I'm preaching, what I'm doing, I, I still am making time to soak in the presence of God that his glory, that the power and presence of the Holy Spirit would fill not just the meeting I'm going to preach in, but his glory would fill the ministry structure. His glory would rest on my staff. His glory would rest on my family. His glory would just infiltrate everything that I am connected to in any way. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to be a door. I want to be an open door. I want to be the Jacob's ladder in my generation. I want to be the Jacob's ladder in my family, in my home. I want to be the Jacob's ladder in the ministry or in the nation that I'm in. When I walk into a place, and I'm saying I, but it's for all of us. When I walk into a place, I want to be the open heaven and stuff starts to happen because the glory has come in. Just like Moses descending the mountain, having had an encounter, he carries that glory everywhere he goes. This is really what it means to be a generation of, of transformers, generation of reformers, generation of, uh, of change agents. This is the high calling of today's generation. We have to carry a glory that is definite, that is clear, that is defined, that is, you know, impactful. When we try to be like the world, to reach the world, we lose the very thing that we carry that they want. And that is the glory of God. Something that reaches into the deeper part of them. It's the power of God that touches their soul, the part of them they didn't even know was empty. Maybe they know something's wrong. Maybe they know they're not satisfied. Maybe they're broken and, and they don't know what it is they're missing, but you do. We have a responsibility to carry this glory. And this means consistent time spent with God. You know, sometimes we think that to carry that that level of glory, we have to pray four hours, or we have to pray as long as Leonard Ravenhill did, or William Branham, or, or somebody else, or Catherine Coleman. But in actuality, the power of prayer to produce the glory is not actually found in how many hours that you pray. The glory and the power of prayer is in the consistency by which you pray. That is to say that somebody who's consistent Praying an hour a day consistently actually will have more spiritual momentum, more momentum of glory and power than the person who just maybe once a week prays for two hours or goes to church. The power is in the consistency, just like watering plants, just like a, a workout regimen. Imagine if you if your your uh, imagine if you watered your plants. <laughs> <laughs> the same way you you feed your spiritual life. Well, only on Sunday, <laughs> you water the plants and you dump a whole lot of water on them on Sunday. And then the rest of the week, you don't feed them. Those plants would be dead. But no, with plants, with anything that is of life giving, it takes consistent nourishment, consistent maintenance. You have to pay attention to it. You've got to give it sunlight. You've got to get in the sun. You've got to you know, water that thing in such a way that it grows. Your prayer life should be going from glory to glory. It should be like a train, steadily picking up speed. 
gaining spiritual momentum. It's the same with working out. Everybody knows you can't just go to the gym once a week and try to pump iron as much as you can to make, for, make up for the six days you missed. No, there's a consistency that builds those muscles. It works the same in the spirit world. You can actually build your spiritual muscles through consistent time spent with the Lord and get to a place where you are a strong man in the spirit. You are a warrior in the spirit. When you speak from the stage, heaven responds. When you walk into your workplace, the glory follows. When you run into problems, the world needs solutions. You have those solutions because you've got a wisdom that's coming from somewhere else. <laughs> the scripture says, he who is from above is above all. And that becomes your story. And before long, you become one of those that is carrying God, that is making history, that is an agent of transformation in their generation. Hallelujah. <laughs> God bless. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.